You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for joining us. The subject of energy never gets old in the state of Michigan. We're surrounded by massive, powerful bodies of water. We pump natural gas and oil through pipelines that run beneath the Straits of Mackinac. And there's an ongoing conversation about replacing coal plants with renewable sources such as wind, and solar. Meanwhile, our energy infrastructure is aging and it's overburdened, making lengthy and vast power outages more common. There's a lot to consider if you're in charge of supplying energy in Michigan. My next two guests are at the forefront of those conversations. I want to welcome Jerry Anderson, CEO of DTE Energy, and Patty Poppy. She is the CEO of Consumers Energy to Detroit Today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you, Stephen. Great to be here. Yeah. Um, uh, first, let's talk about how much of the state between DTE and consumers. I mean, that's everybody, right? Not quite everybody. There's, so there are municipals, but we're, yeah. we're over 80%. Yeah. 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 And, and we have recently had a real debate about energy policy, uh, some legislation that you guys really needed uh, passed that we got passed. Tell us where that puts us in the, in terms of the things I was talking about there in the open, aging infrastructure, uh, the power grid, all of these things that I feel like are just over the horizon of where we can see uh, big problems, right? They're looming there, and it's hard to get people sometimes to to focus on that. Uh, are we are we pushing them further away from us? Are they still barreling toward us? I think the. The real need for that legislation and legislation on energy seems to come about once a decade yeah. <laughs> when we grapple with. We can get their attention. <laughs> yeah, and we grapple with the next set of issues. And in many ways, the next set of issues was aging infrastructure, both in terms of how we produce power. So our coal plants are aging, many of them have been around 60, 70 years, and the grid is aging. So both need investments in newer, more modern technology and the the legislation focused on this, something that Patty and I worked very closely on. Yeah, and one of the frameworks within that policy is an integrated resource plan, uh -huh. which allows for an open and transparent process in Michigan to plan for the future of replacing that infrastructure. Because we, too, agree we're at an inflection point. All of these uh, retiring uh, facilities are going to be replaced by something. Now right. is the perfect time for us to have that legislation available to us so that lots of people can participate in the discussion and the planning for the future. And the, and the burden of replacing that infrastructure really does fall on the big companies like you guys and that gets us to this question of you know competition in in the market there are a lot of people who think we should have more competition uh, I shouldn't have to just rely on DTE or consumers to provide uh, uh, my electricity uh, talk about why that competition from your standpoint um, ought not just be opened up well I guess I just go to two simple facts uh, so we've had experimentation with this in our country since about the late 90s or 2000 time frame and consistently uh, for that time frame when you compare the states that have chosen to deregulate it to the states that are fully regulated mm -hmm. uh, the fully regulated states on average are 25 percent cheaper so there is no evidence that suggests that, that deregulation lowers prices but doesn't that run counter to most economic theory so it comes down to the nature of our industry. And the, the electric industry was set up the way it was for reasons. And it has proven extremely difficult 
to deregulate in a way that actually works. Yeah. And prices have not been lower, and if you go into states that are deregulated, you'll find that their J.D. Power customer satisfaction scores are consistently lower. So if you just look at the facts, they would suggest that uh, it hasn't worked it the way people thought it would. Well, and part of that is because the original um, formation of our industry, why it was set up the way that it is with state regulation versus being regulated at the federal level, which are the two choices. Yeah that state regulators have more authority and are closer to the issues and previous to that one of two things would happen either you'd have duplicate infrastructure built which is always more expensive or you'd have federal regulation that actually didn't hold local providers accountable for the prices that they charge right. and so our state regulatory model in michigan provides for the transparency and the accountability and frankly we spend a lot of time um, confirming that what we are investing in is what Michigan needs. And it's that kind of transparency that I think is really an advantage to Michigan for the future. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the infrastructure that we have. Aging overburdened is how I described it. How aging is it? How aged is it? How overburdened is it? I mean, are we, are we near the, the point where we're going to see rolling blackouts and things like that? So I'll start on the power side mm -hmm. of the industry, the power production, which is our power plants. They, yeah. they generate the electricity, and then we have distribution that moves it around. Right. On the generation side, we, the plants that we've relied on in Michigan for the last half century are aging out. It's like the old automobile syndrome. Right. It just reached the point that it doesn't make sense to invest further. So we are retiring them. Patty's announced retirements, we've announced retirements, and we're moving on to invest in more modern, more environmentally beneficial mm -hmm. forms of generation. Uh, renewables, natural gas, for example. That's in motion. Uh, so I often tell people our state is moving through a fundamental transformation in the way we produce electricity. It's a little bit invisible to a lot of people out there, but it's in motion and it's going to continue. Yeah, and in fact, yeah, Stephen, we at Consumers Energy just last year in April of 2016 retired seven of our 12 coal plants. We closed them down um, and we have replaced them with natural gas and a huge project that uh, DTE and Consumers uh, co-owns, the Ludington Pump Storage Plant, which is a great tourist destination, we might add. It's yeah. a beautiful facility <laughs> and one of the great engineering marvels of the world uh, that pumps storage, renewable energy, our gas uh, infrastructure. There's some. This is a great time for us to replace that aging infrastructure in a way that serves Michigan so that Michigan compete for new companies to come and locate here. Yeah, what, what, what about renewable uh, sources? How, how much are we ever going to be able to rely on those versus coal or natural gas? So we've spent a lot of time studying this. Yeah. Uh, and actually came out uh, a few weeks ago and talked about our very long-term energy future and uh, in that said that um, we will be retiring coal completely by 2040 and in the process of doing that we'll reduce carbon emissions by 80 percent plus and the mix that we see emerging from that will be 20 percent nuclear our Fermi plant 40 percent renewable energy and 40% energy from natural gas. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that renewable can and will play a very fundamental role. That said, you need to be careful to think that simply throwing renewables into the mix will <laughs> produce the right result. And Germany is a very interesting case in point here where they tried to do that. There was a government-defined approach that, that 
incentive renewables at a very high level. They got a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But two things happened. Their electricity price went to the second highest in the world, and their carbon emissions didn't go down materially. And the reason was they destabilized their grid and had to run their coal plants to bring back the stability. Right, right. Go ahead, Patty. And so, you know, we, we refer to our strategy as clean and lean because we think right now is the perfect time to make that transition, to add renewables in the 30, 40% range of the, the generation mix. We don't have a nuclear plant like uh, DTE does, but we have some great ga natural gas assets and natural gas power plants. So the combination of renewables with natural gas and then again our pump storage, we think provides both the most economic and the cleanest solution for the state of Michigan. The ongoing cost, the no fuel cost of renewables is a, a great part of the story, but a piece of the puzzle that sometimes people miss is that when you talk about adding incremental generation at the same time when people are using less electricity, appliances are more efficient, lighting's more efficient, we have big energy efficiency programs and demand response programs, Given that, you want to add modular additions to generation. In the old days, we would build a great big plant because load would grow into it, usage would grow into that great big plant. That's not true That's anymore. Not happening. Yeah. And so you can add a smaller addition of renewables as long as you have enough base load, and in our case, natural gas, to provide base load power. But renewables play a great uh, part of the program, mm. and we expect a storage breakthrough sometime in the next decade. So when you talk about having... So in other words, you could generate the power and, and keep, keep it, it and, yeah, so and use it if, when you need it. If you combine storage with renewables, na clean natural gas, and uh, our hydropower in Michigan, we've got a great mix of energy for the people of Michigan for the next generation. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Jerry Anderson, CEO of DT Energy, and Patty Poppy. She is the CEO of Consumers Energy. We are in the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island during the Mackinac Policy Conference. I, I want to go back to the question about infrastructure and get to the delivery side of that. We talked about the, the generation side. The delivery side is a little different, right? It is different. And what's not different is aging. So uh, a lot of the electric infrastructure in our state was put in place in the big post-World War II expansion, yeah. and some of it uh, still dates back to then. And so. Uh, we are in a period where we need to renew infrastructure uh, for the electric system just like we need to for water and roads. Um, one of the simple issues that we need to address as well is trees. So 70% of the outages on our system, 85% of the outages in the massive storm that we had in March yeah. were driven by trees. Right, trees so, falling online. Right? Yeah, so we, we need to work with our communities and our homeowners to address that fact, but do it in a way, I, look, I love trees, they're beautiful, <laughs> I, I mean that, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a nut about trees, but uh, trees- But they don't belong near power lines. Yeah, they right? don't belong on power lines, and so we need to, we're, we need to, go after that in a fundamental way, but do it in a way that works for communities and homeowners too. It seems that we also need more of a, I don't know, a policy imperative from our elected officials around this question of infrastructure. I mean, that's the hardest thing to sell in Michigan is the idea that we got to take care of, of what we have. We see it with water, 
sewage, all kinds of, I think we see it with electricity too. Yeah, and I think what you'll find is in the Infrastructure Commission's report, they indicated that the age of the electric and gas infrastructure, similar to sewer and water and other roads, uh, is similar and vintage, but we do have a funding mechanism because of the utilities and because of consumers and DTE's commitment and our regulatory construct in Michigan. But what I would say is exciting about uh, the distribution side of the business is making that grid both more resilient by certainly working on our uh, uh, forestry, yeah. but also making it smarter. We had an experience in um, a storm in April following the, the big March storm, but we had a storm in April where we were actually able to use our smart meters for the first time in a very significant way to reduce outage time and outage duration. We had a circuit that showed a full lockout, so 1,100 customers showed out of power in our traditional tools. That's what it would have told us. We would have rolled trucks to go confirm what was happening. In this scenario, we could ping the meters. We found out there were only 178 customers who were actually affected. We saved 50 truck rolls, 3,000 hours of outage duration, because wow. those resources could be deployed elsewhere. So both forestry and technology combined can provide for a much smarter and more resilient grid. So again, as we replace that infrastructure, it actually can be lower cost right, as right. we make those investments. I mean, that's, that's how you want to hear politicians sell it. And they never do. <laughs> it always seems like uh, they never get to that space where they can say, say exactly what you said, which I think would be, you know, almost universally accepted. Well, Patty's exactly right on the, the grid side yeah. and technology flowing into it. So there's there's a term used now called a self-healing grid. Okay. What it really means is computers, sensors, and automated controls that can isolate outages and reestablish power to large sections of the grid and then isolate the problem. And in some cases, further isolate the problem right down to what you actually need to work on. Right, right. And those technologies are available to us today, but they weren't when the system was originally invested in. So, And uh, we don't have that working in, in Michigan right now? We're moving it in. As yeah. we reinvest, th that automation uh, is occurring. Yeah. So similar to the uh, integrated resource plan as part of this new energy policy that was passed for generation planning, for distribution planning, the commission has requested and is forming a five-year forward look collaboration for the state to say what do we want that smarter grid to look like. Uh, again, uh, another reason why having this regulatory construct in Michigan is good because people in Michigan can plan for the future in Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask you both about the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, which the president says, he says a lot of things, and some of them happen, some of them don't. I, I'm curious, uh, as power companies, uh, what you think that would look like for for the United States? Or well, for your I'd, companies? I'd say a couple of things. Yeah. I, I've come to the view uh, that climate change is a very serious public policy issue and in our sector it's the public policy issue and I yeah. think we have an obligation and a need to address it. And the good news is there's no sucker's choice between our economy <laughs> and the environment. We can do both. We, uh -huh. we have to be smart but we can have economically competitive power and environmental outcomes that are sharply better. With respect to Paris, there are an awful lot of business leaders advising the president that we ought to stay in. Mm -hmm. We have a very strange thing that's happening, which is the United States is taking the brunt of worldwide criticism 
on the climate change issue, but in fact, our sector is reducing carbon emissions say, faster than anybody else's. Uh, lots of other countries not working on it. They're the not working on it, but they're talking a good game. Yeah. We're working on it, and actually, our sector emissions in the electric uh, electric sector are down 25% yeah. since 2005, far more than most European countries, and yet we're being harangued. So. I would say uh, we ought to stay in the discussion. Uh, we're, at, we're in fact going to outpace the world, I think, in, in actually solving the issue. Right, right. Uh, so so why, not, uh, why not let our politics stand where our action already is? Yeah. And I would add that Jerry and I are very aligned on this issue. That, and we have seen that you can serve, and we have, in fact, an internal stand for people, planet, and profit. We call that our triple bottom line. Mm -hmm. And we know that we can serve our communities and our customers and the planet and still be a profitable profitable entity at the same time. But you do have to be smart. And so as we look at our retirement of those coal units last year, 950 megawatts were re retired. Mm -hmm. We were able to replace that with cleaner energy. We have already achieved the, the clean power plan that was being suggested federally. Right. So even though it's dead, our actions are speaking louder than our words. We're direction. done. We've already met that yeah. target and we're moving on to the next target. And like Jerry described, our, we have large business customers who want to be uh, more committed to a more sustainable energy supply. So they are. we're working with them to provide new, cleaner sources. In fact, we just filed for a new pricing package for one of our big new customers here in Michigan, Switch Data Centers, over in Grand Rapids. They want 100% offset of their energy with new generation built in Michigan. Oh. And so with our new um, pricing plan, we're able to provide that energy for them in a very cost-effective way for them. So we say there are no trade-offs. We believe that you can, you can do it all. Do it all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In many Go ways, uh, Stephen, the economic die has been cast. Yeah. So we've yeah. got 70-year-old coal plants, and what's replacing those coal plants are natural gas, right. which is 70% right. lower in carbon, and renewables that are 100% lower. Sure. And when you blend the two, you get fundamental reductions in carbon with the most economically viable new sources. Right. And so land, the, it's starting to make sense yeah. Yeah. across those two concerns. And land and water use reductions, too. With yep. the retirement of our plants, we're using 70% less water than we were a year ago. Is that right? Wow. And the, there's no land mass required to deal with coal residuals with the, after uh, yeah. using it as a fuel source yeah. when you're using natural gas and renewables. So I think the industry has come a long way and has learned that there is a better way. And because of the natural aging process, the, the age of that critical infrastructure, mm -hmm. now's the time. Yeah, yeah. And because the energy law we passed, we can capitalize on that time and transform Michigan's energy infrastructure in a very smart and economic way. Yeah. All right, Jerry Anderson, CEO of DTE Energy. Patty Poppy, CEO of Consumers Energy. Thank you for being here on Detroit Today. Appreciate you having us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, we will be right back after a short break. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. <laughs> 